Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right. Welcome back to the New Work Revolution podcast. This is your host, Brandon Allen. And I'm really excited about today's show. I'm excited about being back with the podcast. And today I want to talk about some self-development crap that I've been seeing that has really been rubbing me the wrong way. And the, the reason why I want to talk about this is I feel like sometimes in self-development, we overestimate our ability to create the world around us. And we say things that sound well-intentioned but are really harmful to people in the end. And look, one of the things that, that I look at in, in self-development, and I think that as an individual, we have a lot of power to uh, decide how we're going to react to situations, how we spend our time, and we do have a lot of control in our lives. But, you know, there are times where things just happen to us that are outside of our control or that we don't have a lot of control over. And one of the things that I want to talk about is, you know, and I keep seeing this meme and it just bugs the shit out of me. I got to be honest with you. It drives me nuts. And it's the meme that says results don't lie. And I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's posted something like this, but I see it occasionally and it drives me completely batshit crazy. Results don't lie. And it's always kind of a douchebaggy, uh, I don't even know if that's a word, but I just made it a word. It's The meme always has like a, a, a mansion that has palm trees. So I, I imagine that it's either in Florida or L.A. or, or South uh, or, uh, you know, Orange County, somewhere like that. And or it's got a, a, a sports car on it or whatever. And, and it says results don't lie. So, for instance, if you live in a nice home or you live a nice car or you drive a nice car, uh, the results speak for themselves. But the reality is, is that results lie all the damn time. Results always lie. For instance, uh, Wells Fargo, a company that I worked with for almost a decade, recently it came out that some of the numbers that people were reporting for the number of checking accounts that they had uh, gotten out uh, and, and closed were not actual real checking accounts. So while their results said one thing, how they got the results was completely different. And I'm going to tell you this, results can lie all the time. Results lie all the time. When I moved back to Salt Lake City, Utah back in 2007, one of the things that I saw people doing, uh, there were a couple of things that I saw people doing that were very destructive. The first thing that they were doing was a concept called capital leasing. And capital leasing was where you bought a home using someone else's credit and then paid that person a premium each month for the privilege to do so and then turned around and rented out that home or lived in the home or whatever and made money off of that. Then you stripped the equity out of the home, invested it in a real estate fund that paid you 3 to 5% a month. Everyone thought this was absolutely amazing. 3 to 5% a month, what could go wrong? And I worked in finance and banking for a long time, and I didn't want to seem like an idiot, but I looked at that and I said, gosh, how does that work? I've never seen any kind of an investment 
return the kind of ROI that you're getting on that that wasn't actually a business. And I would ask questions like, well, how does that make money? How does this real estate fund make money, everything else? Now, all these people that were tied to these funds drove cars like uh, uh, Spikers, uh, they drove Maseratis, uh, all these great cars, really fantastic looking cars. And from the outside, what you could surmise was the results don't lie. These people are producers. They produce a high level of value. Look at how great they're doing. And you know what? Five years later, half of those people are in prison. They're literally in prison. Now, did the results lie or, did, or didn't they lie? If you look at someone's life from the outside, you would think, God, that guy's doing really fantastic. But on the inside, it's all a lie. It's a sham. And, and if you've heard of straw man equity or any of that type of things, people were going into neighborhoods, buying up properties, stripping all the equity out of it with high loan-to-value loans, taking that money and then investing it in a fund. But the way the fund was making money by, was by other people putting money into it so that they could pay other investors with the money that people put in. That's what's called a Ponzi scheme. Now, I don't think these people necessarily set out to create a Ponzi scheme, but that's exactly what they did. Now, on the outside, their results looked fantastic. They lived in very nice homes, drove very nice cars, wore very nice clothing, and spoke very condescendingly to everyone else who wasn't at their perceived level because the results don't lie. The problem with these types of imagery is it creates comparison, and comparison is never effective. Do I want to compare myself to what someone else looks like they're doing so that I can feel better about myself? That's the very danger of social media as a whole, because it's not like we post the bullshit in our lives in social media. We don't do that. We show you the highlights. Let me give you the highlights. Look at my family picture, except for right before this family picture, uh, I screamed at my kids and, and everyone was crying. But for five minutes, we pulled it all together, put to, uh, smiled just in time for a cute photo and everyone's happy. Everyone thinks we look amazing. Everything's great. So when someone tells you that uh, results don't lie is a liar. I'll tell you that right now. I question their ability to actually think about what they're saying. And here's the thing about results, too, is that we can get too tied up into results. And the reality in life is this, is you're not guaranteed anything. And I don't care how much you think you can manifest something out of thin air or be your own God or control the universe because of how amazingly you think and how great your vision board is. But the reality is this, is you can do everything right in life and you can have a poor result. I talked to a woman once. She was a stripper. And some of you are wondering, why am I talking to a stripper? And it's not what you think. And I'm not saying I've never been to a strip club, but in this case, I wasn't in a strip club. I talked to a stripper. I said, hey, just really curious, how did you get in the industry? Talk to me about your home life. This is pre-coaching, but I was already a coach because I, just, I was fascinated by how people work. Why did you become a stripper? What I thought she would say was that my dad was abusive or absent, my mom was a bitch, I hated her, and uh, 
I found comfort in things that maybe I shouldn't have. But the opposite actually was true. My parents were great. My home was loving. I decided to become a stripper. And I thought, well, shit, there goes everything that I ever thought about why people do certain things that they do. And, and I think about, as a parent myself, I can do everything right as a parent, but I don't have control over my kids' choices. And I'm not going to be attached to those choices. And we get so attached to results and outcomes that we start to fret over the fact that we don't get the results or outcomes that we, that we want. But all I can do is put my best fe- foot forward, and hopefully I get the results that I'm looking for. But that may not be the case. I could raise my kids in a very loving home and do everything right as a parent, and one of my kids could do heroin. And they could die from a heroin overdose, and God, heaven forbid that that should ever happen, but it could happen. Is that a reflection upon me as a parent, or is that a reflection upon my kids and their own choices? What are the results that we're looking for that either lie or don't lie? What is that? What does it look like? One of the things I want to leave you with as I talk about this around results don't lie is this. Two things. Number one, don't compare yourself to other people. It's so destructive. Because you don't know the lies and the bullshit that they're suppressing that they're not telling you about about their own life. The other thing is worry about what your definition of results are. And it may not be a nice car or or a big gigantic home with a pool or whatever it is. That may not be your definition of results. And if it's not, great. I know plenty of people who, uh, you know, drive a Toyota Camry and live in a 1,500 square foot house or whatever. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the West Coast. So uh, on the East Coast, you're like, God, that's giant. Um, but, you know, and they love their life just fine, right? They're great. They, they couldn't be more happy. Their results are different than mine of what they look for, uh, which is great. Everyone has different results. I don't need to subscribe to someone else's version of what results should look like. So destructive. And I think about someone like, let's take Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Really cool guy, really like his content and everything else. But if you listen to Gary talk, the results that he gets, he works 20 hours a day and he brags about it. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Gary for working 20 hours a day. That's fine. I'm not doing that. I've got a family. Now, Gary has a family too, but that's his choice. And I'm fine with his choices. They have nothing to do with mine, but he gets his results a certain way. I, if getting results at that level means that I have to do that, I'm out. It's not for me. That's fine, right? What are your results Be okay with your results and understand that if some people are successful, it doesn't mean they're doing the right things. It doesn't. Results do lie. They lie all the time. Enron, Wells Fargo checking accounts, you name it. I can tell you hundreds of thousands of instances where results actually lied. Actually lied. Uh, One of my other favorite self-development memes, and I've seen that a couple of times here recently as well, is um, do you know why they don't run TV ads uh, for Lamborghinis or Ferraris? Have you seen this meme? It's awesome. And then they say it's because successful people don't watch TV. I mean, can you believe that shit? Successful people don't watch TV. The reality is that successful people actually do watch TV. In fact, 
they did a survey on it was either millionaires or billionaires. I don't know. It's probably an important distinction uh, to, to make, but now I can't remember what it is. It was either millionaires or billionaires, and 35% of millionaires or billionaires watched over an hour of TV. Now, the other piece, majority of speaking, only watched an hour or less. That's what they did. Um, and they said, well, you know, successful people read books. They don't, they don't uh, worry about uh, what's going on with uh, the real housewives of Atlanta. They're not doing that. They're reading books. And I don't dispute that successful people spend their time doing different things. But the reality is this. If you think that the reason why Lamborghini or Ferrari doesn't advertise on TV because successful people don't watch TV, you don't know anything about Lamborghinis and Ferraris. They don't advertise on TV because that's not their, that's not their marketing medium. They don't need to do that. Marketing for Lamborghinis and Ferraris is exclusive. It's pointless for them to market to the TV when most people don't qualify to buy a Lamborghini or Ferrari. It's not a good medium for them. They're about exclusivity. They only make so many a year. If you want a Ferrari or Lamborghini, you know where to go or you've got someone who can direct you on where to go and you go in there and you buy a Lamborghini or Ferrari. That's what you do. So that's the reason why they don't advertise on TV. It's not because successful people don't watch TV. And the, the, the issue I have with this meme in, in general is, again, it assumes that certain people always behave a certain way. And that's just not true. Fat people are successful just like skinny people are. Skinny people are failures just like fat people are failures. Ugly people are successful. Good-looking people are successful. Ugly people are failures. Ugly people are uh, good-looking people are failures. Look, across the board, it's hard to draw a, a narrative like that and, and really cling to that. And it's just the ignorance of self-development that comes out, whether it be an Instagram or Facebook, that makes people feel like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't watch TV. Maybe it's bad that I watch Breaking Bad. I don't know. Maybe I should can cancel my Netflix account. I'm not sure. But the reality is, is that successful people do watch TV. Maybe they don't watch hours upon hours of TV. But generally speaking, they watch TV. Uh, and the reason why luxury items aren't advertised on TV, it's not their medium. It's not their market. One last one. And I hear this all the time. And I'm not saying relationship capital isn't important. I'm not saying that who you hang out with doesn't make some kind of a difference. But my favorite one is you are the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with every single day. Listen, I'm not saying that people don't have an influence on you. But it's hard to say that that's 100% true. I'll give you the example of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played basketball for the Chicago Bulls in case you've lived in a cave for the last 30 years and that name does not ring a bell to you. The reality is, in my opinion, Michael Jordan had no peer at any time when he played professional basketball. He had no peer. No peer at all. And Michael Jordan played with some really good players, a guy like Scottie Pippen. Uh, and he played with some really average players, Steve Kerr, Judd Bushler, Ron Harper, uh, Randy Brown, uh, 
Kurt Livingston. Wait, I might have got that wrong, but Livingston. Uh, I mean, he he played with all these guys that were just okay. Will Purdue, Luke Longley, for God's sakes. These are the guys that he played with. The Bulls won six championships, which I'm still pissed about because I live in Salt Lake City, and two of those championships were against the Jazz. And I'm going to use this time right now for all you Chicago Bulls fans to let you know that Michael Jordan did push off from Brian Russell, and that's why he made that basket in Game 6. Okay, I'm done with that. But listen, the reason I mention that is how come Michael Jordan was still an elite player and he surrounded himself with guys who were clearly not as good as Michael Jordan? And you can make the case that Scottie Pippen didn't have a winning attitude. How do I, how do I surmise that? At, there was a period of time for two years where Michael Jordan took a break from basketball to play baseball, which he sucked at. He was terrible at baseball. But during that time, the Bulls had a guy named Tony Kukoc that came in and, and played with the Bulls. And the Bulls made the playoffs with Pippen and Kukoc, no Michael Jordan. And there was a playoff game where Phil Jackson drew up a play for not Scottie Pippen, but for Tony Kukoc. And what did Scottie Pippen do? He sat his ass down on the bench and said, I'm not going in if the play's not called for me. Boy, that's a real team player. And quite frankly, that's a loser mentality. Screw you, team. If the play's not called for me, I'm going to sit down. Now, you would think Scottie Pippen might be a great influence that way, a real team player, a real winner that way. Not the case, in my opinion. Again, my opinion, but these are the people that Michael Jordan was surrounded with. Why was Michael Jordan still successful? I don't know. He still was the preeminent basketball player, even though he didn't surround himself with preeminent basketball players. Not to say that he never talked with uh, highly successful people. I'm sure he did. But he was mostly surrounded with guys that were pretty average at basketball. I'll give you another example. I'll give you my own childhood. I grew up in a home that was not very, uh, it was not an ideal childhood. Let's just say that. I didn't have a lot of great examples of how to live life. Somehow, I decided to make the right choices and and, and, and graduate from school, go to college, and, and have a, a reasonably successful career beyond that, and in a pretty uh, normal life for the most part, uh, not with my issues notwithstanding. Um, how did I do it? I grew up my whole life surrounded by just almost some of the worst shit that you could ever surround yourself with, and yet I rose above that. I'm not bragging about this. But I'm wondering, if, if I'm the collection of five people that I surround myself with, how come I'm not in prison? And that's the route that some people take. Some people go to prison that grow up in the kind of uh, childhood that I grew up in. But some people decide, you know what? That's exactly what I don't want. That's exactly the inspiration that I need to do something else. I don't like what's on the other side of that. I'm going to do something different. So... Am I, the, am I the result of the five people that I hang out with most every day? Or am I able to transcend that? And Michael Jordan transcended that because he was a leader. He was a visionary. He was driven by something bigger. I transcended that because I like to fashion myself as a leader. I wanted to transcend something bigger. I had a different vision for my life. My vision entailed success. I, I looked at uh, models of success at some level and said, hey, even though I, that's not what my life looks like, I'm going, to, I'm going to pursue that avenue. 
And, it, and it's tough when you don't always have the right habits and behaviors and, and the modeling for that. It's tough. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't surround yourself with great positive people. I think that's helpful. But I don't think it means that you're absolutely the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. I think that gets overdone. It's overdone. So when we talk about different things, it's just easy to perpetuate a myth. Here's another one. Um, people say that it's scientifically proven that 93% of all human communication is nonverbal. We've all heard this, right? The power of body language. But the problem is, is that's not accurate. If you use that as a, um, as a standalone statistic, it's actually misleading. Albert Morabian talked about this in, uh, in, in, in a book that he, uh, that, that he wrote and he talked about. And um, they say this, you know, 55% of human communication is body language. 38% is tone of voice, and only 7% are the words we speak. But the reality is, is that Morabian said that the only reason that that's true is for two reasons. When the speaker is describing their feelings and emotions. So for instance, if I look pissed, but I tell you I love you, I, I may be giving you some mixed signals here. If the physical gestures that I'm making and my tone of voice contradict my words, then that that's something to be looked at, but it's not true as an across-the-board um, uh, statement. And, you know, if you're talking about your feelings and attitudes, those equations are absolutely right. But if you're not, those equations are absolutely false. But how many times have you heard that 93% of our human communication is nonverbal? And we, I hear that stuff all the time. In fact, I know people who have built companies around that very concept, but it's not. It's not statistically accurate. It's not all the way true. These are truths that we subscribe to all the time that aren't necessarily true. But again, in self-development, we take a little truth and we try to make it a bigger thing than it really is. So I'm done with my rant for today. Hopefully you found this helpful. Hey, if you've got some things to add to this, what are some myths that you see in self-development uh, for yourself? And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is I feel like so many times there's information that's put out there that's not true or that is a half-truth or is something that's designed to, maybe it's designed to inspire you, but it makes you feel like, sh you, may, you feel shittier about yourself after you hear it because you wonder why these dots are not connecting. And I'm just telling you this, um, you can do everything right in, in, in a certain situation and you can get the result that you don't want for whatever reason. Um, these things are going to happen. Uh, life, there's still some variability to life we don't control everything that we uh, that we do. You know, we, we we don't control everything that happens in our life 100%. We just don't. Um, and so, as you're thinking about this again, go back to non-comparison. Dictate, you know, figuring out what is your definition of success. How do you want to get success? Work through your formula. There's not a formula for success that's across the board true for everyone. What is your formula? What is your way of being successful? And stick to the, you know, do those things that you feel like are getting you closer to the results that are you're looking for that make sense for you. 
not for someone else. So again, hey, I want to thank everyone for being along for the ride. See, this is what happens when I don't do a podcast for some period of time. Um, You know, it just gets explosive. So thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, please share it. If you haven't rated the show in iTunes yet, please please do so. And if you need anything else, please go to newworkrevolution.com, hit me up uh, at the website, and, uh, and drop me a message. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.